And so I think my advice to people that want to come into this industry is don't be a dick, be nice to each other, just be kind. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Design Cuts, a place where you can get all of your graphic design resources whilst helping out the Creative Waffle Podcast. There's a link, an affiliate link down in the description below. So if you do want to get some mock-ups or some textures or graphic pack, graphics packs or some great fonts at fantastic prices, anything that will boost your creative output, then go ahead and go over to Design Cuts. There'll be a link in the description below where uh, you can help out the podcast. That's an affiliate link. So anything that you do buy through that link, it'll help me to do the podcast more as a full-time thing and uh, to get some better equipment, to pick better guests and that sort of thing. Also, if you want a creative waffle pin badge, you can leave a review on iTunes for this podcast and uh, then DM me on social media at Blue Design and uh, we'll get the creative waffle pin badge out to you straight away. Today is episode 101 and I'm speaking to my good friend, Mr. Matt Roth. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about some pretty controversial stuff or just stuff that people don't talk about as much in the design and creative community. Matt Roth is uh, an illustrator, very talented, did the uh, creative waffle poster and you may have seen it on social media. He also did a few other things for me, Blue Lid Design stuff. He's done uh, illustrations of my New York poster. And uh, today on the show, we're talking about finding a style, contracts, charging clients and money, licensing artwork, a university, should you go, uh, creative agents, balancing client input and watching how your personality changes and how that affects your work, dream projects, being in the right social media circles, uh, it's best advice, best purchase under £100, and finally, we talk about how we want to be remembered. Finally, the last announcement before we get into the episode, we're going to give away 10 of these podcast posters illustrated by Matt Roth himself. Uh, we're going to give away 10 of them. Leave a comment on YouTube. It'll be YouTube only, and if there's more than 10 people commenting, then we'll uh, have to draw. If there's not, you'll be winning one of these podcast posters, A4 size. You can also buy them if you want to just give to the episode on, on the Blue Design Shop. The 10 podcast posters to give away, leave a comment on YouTube only, and you'll be entered into the draw. So, I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to Matt, uh, one of my good friends now from the creative world. This is my chat with Matt Roth. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we talked. We talked before we met in person and everything. And um, we I know a lot about you, but for people who don't know, uh, who are you? What you do? What do you do? And how do you find illustration? Uh, so my name is Matt Roth. I'm a freelance illustrator. I'm based in Oxford in the UK. Uh, I've been freelancing now full time for about three years, part time before that for about two and a half. Um, and yeah, so I, I kind of always wanted to have a, an art career. Um, I kind of went down the traditional route of going to school, getting my, my grades, doing a degree uh, in graphic design and illustration. And then after I left that course, I kind of had a decision. Did I want to go in-house and work with a company or did I want to try alone? And I decided to take the risk and try it alone because uh, I was, particularly even when I was at uni, I was a type of student that kind of liked being on their own, working on their own stuff rather than being in a big group. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just took the leap and decided to do it. Started off with small projects and stuff and then, probably the last 18 months it's got a lot busier a lot bigger projects and a lot bigger clients so that's kind of how i got into it really uh what like is there anything as a kid you, you sort of got got into illustration and, and got you interested in drawing um i was having this conversation with somebody else the other week i think a lot of us being 90s kids it was always animation animation was the first sort of contact i had with art 
my family weren't the most cultured. Uh, we didn't go to museums or do anything like that. So it was really what was on telly or what we had in terms of films. Um, so I grew up watching Disney movies, obviously. That was a big, big, um, a big, big inspiration for me as a kid. Uh, Ardman, Nickelodeon cartoons, uh, Ray Harryhausen, who did all like the Clash of the Titans movies and all that. So that kind of stuff was what inspired me to sort of see it on TV and think, oh, I'd love to create something similar or I'd like to make something like that. Um, and kind of just, yeah, that kind of got me interested in recreating or recapturing what was on telly and just practicing and drawing that way. Um, and also my family, particularly my mom side of the family uh she was very arty and crafty so we were always doing uh stuff like that and um so yeah it was kind of being in the right environment and having the right kind of content at me uh kind of was just a good mixture of having the the access to be able to express that part of myself which was quite nice yeah yeah and there's always quite a lot of support from from that side of the side of things you always always got a lot of support from mum and and um yeah, yeah, uh, yeah my, mom, my mom was definitely the one that pushed me the most with it because she could see that I had potential. Um, my dad just, he's not creative in any, he's what I call like a manly man. He kind of likes his cars and all that sort of stuff. So my dad and I are just very different. Um, but my mom was very much the one that was you know, having imagination, enjoy being playful and, and, and making things and stuff. So yeah, having her in my life from that age was really, really influential in what I do now, um, for sure, definitely. So, so finding your style growing up and, and getting out of sort of college and university and, and finding your own style, how would how you go about doing that? It's a, it's, a very, it's a very slow process. I kind of think when, you, when you're a student, you kind of, you want to get there really quick. You want to kind of say, right, I need a style because that's going to get me an age and that's going to get me work. But the, the, the thing is with, with being an illustrator or anything like, you know, a designer, whatever, style comes gradually. It, you, you find as well, even in my career, like the last five years of freelancing, my style has changed very dramatically over even the last couple of years. It's depending on the kind of work you're doing as well as the influences at the time. So I can look back at my old work and say, oh, I was looking at so-and-so. That's why I was drawing like that. Mm. And then, you know, with my style now, it kind of, changed a lot when I started to use a uh, graphics tablet when I started to use digital illustration rather than just doing everything hand-drawn because prior to that it was all black and white artwork so the stuff that's behind you that I've done for you that was pretty much everything I was doing it was just black and white so yeah uh, so that's the stuff I was doing at uni yeah. it was it we didn't I never really used a graphics tablet before until I left um, we were never really encouraged, which was quite strange. Um, so when I left my course, I was like, right, I need to learn this because I see a lot of commercial artwork in campaigns and stuff is color, and I need to learn that. And I think after I found a technique that worked for me, um, the style just kept improving with each picture, with each art, piece of artwork, it got better and better because I got quicker, got more precise, learnt little hacks of how I can do things and multiply it and stuff like that to you know, shave a bit of time off. Um, but definitely, I kind of like sharing that stuff as well online because it, it kind of makes it more relatable when people look at your work. Um, they can kind of see the progression of how you got yeah. them. That does really well as well. Everyone loves to see that. Um, yeah. I'm going to work on a big project and I'm going to 
uh, like literally take that in, take Instagram through the whole thing. And I think I think that's kind of what do really well, not just on Instagram, but for for people following along and people who ask yeah. as well. I think it also gives people more of a you know um, what's the word uh, transparency in, into your yeah. process. Yeah, and it also kind of um, appreciation for what they're looking at. Because yeah, yeah. the one thing with social media is such an edited down version of what you're doing in your life. Like I post a lot, but that's edited, you know, throughout the whole day. It's not, you know, showing me throwing my graphics tablet at my screen. <laughs> it's just like an edited, oh, look, I'm having fun kind of thing. So it's nice to sort of be able to show each step so that they can, you know, the audience who are investing in your work can see the progress of it and how you go from an idea to, you know, developing that concept into a final product. I think it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Because everyone sees the final thing, like, like you say, just they don't see the process, don't see. And also that, that devalues, I think that devalues art and design as well. Uh, and especially illustration, the, people don't see the sketches and drawings. Well, I know that, that happens a lot with logo design. If, you, if someone just sees the logo, people think that they come up with an idea and that's it, and then you've created the logo. Well, you hit the nail on the head. It devalues the product. It devalues, yeah. and also, particularly when you're quoting jobs, you know, people come to you like, "Oh, I bet it just takes them an afternoon to whack up that, you know, you know, make a logo." It's not. It, it takes a lot of thought and a lot of it's a, it's a it's a lot of thought and process that goes into making that final product. And there's multiple versions that you probably make for one client mm. that no one else sees. You know, it's just the final product. So I do think even when you know, not just your audience, but also the people that come to you for work. It's really important that they see your thought process and also, you know, to value your time and talent. And I think that's something I've talked a lot more about recently is just value your time um, and show that in what, the way you come across and other people will hopefully feel the same about your work uh, and value what you do. How, how can people do that? Because it's a big step. But I, know, I know a lot of people like get worried about charging for, for their their what they do and we'll get charging, worry about you know, putting this big number out there and then people saying no. Have you ever had that problem or have you ever dealt That's with it? Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, something that comes to mind a little bit is, um, you know, when I put up that I was going to start charging daily rates rather than per illustration, I've kind of gone back to a per illustration rate at the moment because it's, I think it's more fair depending on the client you're working for because it's not fair to say, a tiny client comes up, they've got a minimal budget, um, and you charge them the same rate that you would charge PlayStation, for example. Right. So, um, but when I started talking about this, I got such a lot of flack from artists saying, well, you can't charge that, that's too expensive. So you, you've got this constant, not just people coming to you and saying, I can't afford that, but you've also got your own peers saying that. It's very confusing to know what's best. You just have to work out like, you know, what do you need to live off a month? Um, what would you like to aim for each month to earn? And then really start thinking, okay, if I have like two or three projects, how much am I going to charge for that? Um, and how long is it going to take me? So I, what I tend to do, and it's not sneaky, but what I tend to do is still have a daily rate, work it out in my mind how long I think this job is going to take me, whether a small or a big client. And then if it's a smaller client, I'll knock a couple of hundred quid off it. So it seems as if like I'm doing it for a more reasonable rate, but I'm still hitting that target that I'm aiming for. I think that's the best way to do it sometimes. Um, you know, and also like we've discussed as well, like licensing and other things. It's very confusing and a very gray area that no one really discusses. Um, yeah, yeah. Tough. Um, so you just gotta do, I think just do what's best for you, but just speak to other people. 
I think that's another thing I would say, speak to other creatives and ask the question, because it's not rude. You, you, you're working in the same industry and what you do affects everybody else as well. So just ask people, okay, if you, you know, if a job comes through for me where it's a big client and I'm unsure of what to charge, I've got like three friends that I know I can contact to say, if you were in my position, what would you charge for that as a rough estimate? It gives me a bit of confidence then in what I'm asking from yeah. that. So there's yeah. multiple things you can do like that if you're unsure. That's absolutely, that's really good. Um, I remember asking you for advice on contracts and uh, that's, that's literally just my foundation now for contracts and it's been really good. Uh, what sort of stuff you mentioned licensing and people don't talk about it enough what, what sort of stuff do you put in agreements and that if you want to talk about it or, or yeah that? I think it's um, the, the thing that I'm most worried about at the moment particularly in our industry is the lack of knowledge as far as your rights the legal rights to your artwork who who owns it um, I don't think that even at university people talk about this enough you've got if you think about illustrators for example graphic designers it's more in-house you can leave your degree you'll probably find a placement a majority of the graphic designers I went to my course with went straight into an in-house situation nearly all of us illustrators went freelance because there's not really anything like that out there for us and you're walking out with a degree in art but you don't know how to run a business so it's like it's like giving a kid the keys to a car and he can't drive. It's mm. just silly. So I think that particularly with contracts, you need to be aware of the rights of your artwork, who it belongs to, how long that client can use your artwork for. Because it's, it's, if you think about it really, it's like a taxi service saying to you, right, you have one fee, but you can come to our taxi service as many times as you like and use that taxi. It, it's like that with art. It's like some clients think that if they pay you 500 quid for a poster that they can keep using it and you, you can't. It's, 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 you know, it's boosting the income and the profit of that company, but it's not improving your work and the value of your work. So I always, in my contracts, I, I've signed up to the Association of Illustrators and when you join up to them, they send a copy of a contract to you. You can edit it a little bit if there's certain things you're not comfortable with, but majority of what's in that contract is just really plain, really simple. It's sort of saying, look, if you sign this contract, you agree to the terms I've set that this artwork belongs to me, that you have every right to commission me for the artwork that I use, um, that we've agreed to this period of time that you can use it for, all this sort of stuff. And also, if anybody decides to steal it, you've got then a signed document between you and your client that you can then take and say, right, you've nicked our artwork, I can have you for that. If you don't do anything to secure that, you've got no rights at all. You can say, well, it was my artwork, but you'd have to go through all your documents and prove everything. And it's just a load of faff for just for five minutes to sign a piece of paper to agree to it. Um, so I think having awareness of that is something that I'm using like social media for now is because I'm really, really concerned about the amount of people that are not using contracts or using some form of written agreement for the artwork that they're, you know, producing for people. That's really something that bothers me right now. Yeah. I think more people should know about it. It's, it's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, so going back to university, how, why do you think people talk about that, this sort of stuff? Why don't you think people talk about the business of it? I don't really, do you know, honestly, I wish I knew the answer to that because I really don't. Um, I mean, I went to a relatively small course. It wasn't at a big university, it was at college. So our course was in conjunction with a university that kind of, you know, worked with us, but wasn't necessarily involved. 
we I can't physically remember having anything apart from the final year where they gave us a piece of paper breaking down where we could find resources and get help but there was mm. nothing there was nothing there of value in terms of how you know you negotiate stuff and we had no one come in to talk about it um and i don't really know why i i think the modules are too focused on creatively what you should be creating but art is a progression you get there eventually whether it is doing it in a degree or doing it by yourself you don't necessarily what i would rather go to my course for is say yeah absolutely learn how to you know time frame a project learn how to do that but do it in a more real environment so accept mm. accept a, a commission from somebody right learn how to negotiate that commission learn how to work to a deadline do that sort of stuff because no, the deadlines at university are like six weeks. You know, none of us get six weeks to create a piece of artwork. So it's really unrealistic the way that the practice is as well. So I really wish I knew the answer to that, but I don't. And I just think it's something that as illustrators we have, or as designers, we have to talk about. Because if we don't talk about it, the next group of artists that are coming into this industry are not going to be aware of it. Every year, 50,000 creative students come through the university. That's crazy. Right? That's 50,000 people that probably don't understand how to run a business who are going straight into this industry, they're doing work on the cheap, and that's then reflecting them back when we get commissions. So they'll go, oh, well, you, you know, this person did it for that. Why won't you? And yeah, it yeah. has a massive impact on how you know, we run our businesses as well. Do you, do you think it's partly because the teachers, I mean, some, some teachers are business practitioners as well, but do you think it's partly because the teachers aren't, aren't doing it themselves or they're just learning the creative stuff? Or? With my teachers, I mean, I loved all my tutors. They were brilliant, but they, yeah. were, they hadn't been practicing. That's, yeah. Years. So I don't even remember seeing my illustrator teachers work. That's like, I don't remember her ever getting a work and saying, this is what I used to do. There was no kind of... Yeah. Yeah, it was all it was all about the course. It wasn't about the practicality of how do I make a living from this. It was get that grade, and it, it was it was not about okay, how do I make a living? How do I make money out of this? How do I turn this into a business? And it's nice now to see people that are not going down the university route that are actually taking the initiative, like you, to sort of do your own thing. Because I think you learn far quicker that way than probably going to uni. And that's really horrible to say if you paid nine grand a year to go and do a course. I'm really sorry, but I do think, particularly now, with the way that things are, you learn far quicker doing yourself than you would ever do doing a course. I think there's a lot of self-doubt that comes with it as well. There's a lot of, of talks up here that goes on in your brain, or, or like a lot of a lot of sort of internal speaking to yourself. Um, yeah, it, it's it's great and it's fun, but. You know, you always wonder, should I have gone to university? Should this, should have this, should I have done that, should I have done this? But um, No, I think um, if I had my time again, I wouldn't go. I would have put that money towards starting up my own studio or doing something else. Because, you know, I, I got, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, I got, you know, learned some great things there. And I met some wonderful people that I'm still in touch with now. But really, if I think about the progression of me as a creative person, it has come from working as an illustrator and getting on with it and, and doing it rather than what I did at uni. I don't use any of the things that I learned at uni mm. at all. Um, nothing that I learned really at uni has kind of prepared me for what I do now. 
and that's something that you know it might be different depending on the college you went to and the course um but for me personally i don't think it would have matter whether i went or not and when people say you know i have students email me quite a bit now should i go should i not go i'm like do what you think is best for you you don't it, there's no right or wrong way just do what you think is best for you if you think you've got everything that you need get on and do it mm. you what are you waiting for? You've got everything that you need in front of you. You don't need to go and spend £9,000 a year on a course to give you the permission to draw. It's, you know, just do it. That's what I always say to people. Don't think you're going to get a job as soon as you go to uni because it doesn't really happen. You're very, very lucky. If you're, particularly if you're an illustrator. Um, you know, I thought I'd get an agent as soon as I left. I thought, you know, oh, I'll do this. It didn't happen. I'm five, six years into it and I still don't have an agent. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. You can still make a living from it. It's how you network and connect with other people. That's what gets you work. It's how you run your business that gets you work. It's not what you do. That's how I feel anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I talk about agents. Um, I was speaking to Dan Layden, the football illustrator, and he, he was saying he's gone in and out of agents and sometimes they can be good, sometimes they can be bad. Have you ever had one and, and what's your experiences? No, I have actually emailed every single illustration agency, unless there's one somewhere in the middle of nowhere, I've emailed every single one and they've all said that you don't fit what we need. And <laughs> I've just, I've, funny enough, this weekend having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a brilliant illustrator and he, he signed up to a really big agency last year and we were all like, oh, really pleased for you that's great and for the first few months he was really enjoying it because he used to have an old drawing style and then he's completely switched his style now and the agency are like i don't know what to do with you like we uh. can't do anything so i find that not having an agent is slightly better because you have completely you know complete creative reign over what you do who you work for and if you want to swap things up and change stuff it doesn't really matter because it's not reflect it's not uh, changing your image it's just you try something new with him he he literally he, you know emailed me this weekend and said right I've, I've left I've, I've ended the contract in January I'm going to do something else um, because they wanted him to stick with both styles so that he could still keep in with the agency but could still exercise that and he's like well that's too that's confusing I can't do both I need to be me and I don't want to do that artwork anymore that I used to so agencies are you got to remember agencies are there to make money they you know they're there to make money and as much as i, I if, if i had to work and have an agency with anybody i would rather work with a small boutique one that has you know a few artists because i think that they take better care of you maybe um but no every agency i've ever had any dealings with or contacted have all said like you don't fit what we know can sell our clients wouldn't want to use your work um so I think it really depends on what you want. If you, if you want to sit comfortably and work on commercial projects all the time and you, you know what your style is and you're happy with that, then that's fine. But if you still, and I think it, for me, it suffocates you creatively. If you want to try new stuff, it's really difficult, particularly in that situation, depending on the, on the agency that you go with. Yeah. Um, you know, I had another conversation with somebody else who is with the smaller agency and he said, you know, I've changed my style a few times. Never had an issue with my, my agency. So it depends. I don't know if it's the bigger ones that are a bit more like keep to this because that's where you are. I have no idea. Um, but I, d I don't think, again, it, it, it doesn't really matter if you have an agent or not. You know, I still get work. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. So, um, 
just like I say, do what suits you. If you get an offer and you like the look of what they're doing and you think that it could widen your profile, then even if you just do a year, do a year. Um, but I, I, I would say work out really what you want from that um, relationship and um, whether it suits you and the direction you want to go in um, would probably be my advice. Yeah, yeah, the, that's, that's good advice. The, um, the, the thing about that and, and changing your style, people change as well. And your style changes because you're, you're changing as a person. You're, you're, you're invested in your work. You are part of the work. Uh, how have you put yourself in the work and, and your, your, um, your own style on it? Um, I think a lot of it is, for me, it's the subject matters I choose to illustrate. If I don't, I don't want to spend 40, 50 hours working on something that I'm not really interested in. Yeah. And be more selective. So I think... With me, um, it's really the subjects that I draw is of interest to me, and that's what's in my work. I think I am not as, I used to be very attached to what I created, I used to be so heavily invested. Now I'm kind of like, right, I'll just do that, that's fine. Um, I, I also think, depending on the client, you, your style changes to fit sometimes what they want. Um, so it's good to have a balance of doing your own stuff as well as client work because you keep yourself satisfied. I think if you keep doing just too much client work, um, you end up going into a bit of a, a bit of a pit because um, you're constantly fulfilling other people's needs and not your own. So with my work, it's kind of, you know, if a client comes to me and they come with a really great budget, but the project is boring as F, I won't go near it because you've got to think I've got to invest my time in that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely with me, with my style, it's more about the subjects that I choose to illustrate the industries that I want to illustrate for. That's what makes me, me. Um, and you know, keeps me interested in what I'm doing. And, um, but yeah, I still do my sketchbook stuff and, and people seem to like that as well, where, you know, I do like sci-fi cyberpunk illustrations and stuff. And, you know, um, it's again, it's just, it's just doing something a little bit different. And I made a very clear distinction between the two styles, keeping that black and white and keeping the commercial stuff bright and colorful mm. because Matt Roth, the illustrator is not Matt Roth, the person Matt Roth, the illustrator is loud, colorful, bright in your face. That's not me. So it's nice to kind of have two styles to shift between that an audience can visually tell the difference of, Oh, it's that, kind of artwork today or with that kind of artwork so um that's something i found that naturally came about i don't know where it came from but it was just a nice natural process to separate the two um depending on my mood um really so yeah, yeah so that was what happened with that was that sort of because clients were asking for color and asking for for bright stuff yeah because i think if you look at most commercial work, it, a lot of it, it there's very there's not much black and white stuff anymore. Yeah. Really. It's a particular type of style they're going for. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I yeah, it was really it came about with the clients. I think the first time I actually did a graphic, uh, like a like a eye popping graphically coloured uh, piece of artwork, was for a book called uh, Game was for Game Paused, and it was a book on retro video gaming, and I did a Sonic the Hedgehog illustration. This was like five or six years ago. And that was the first time I'd experimented with bright colors. And I really liked the the look of it. And I thought, oh, I've got something here. Yeah. Work. Um, and it's also a style that even if I do, like you've seen the sketchbook stuff, if I do that, but I put a bright bunch of colors underneath it, it just adds life to it. So it, it kind of transfers itself really, really well, the comic book colors. 
Um, and the inspiration for that sort of stuff came from, I'm a massive, massive fan of skateboard uh, graphics and illustrations. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of Jim Phillips and Jimbo Phillips, the uh, Santa Cruz guys. Yeah. So that kind of color palette was what inspired sort of a lot of my work and what I do now. Um, in your face, you know, catch your attention kind of stuff. Yeah, I was just looking at this poster of the, I got all here. It's funny now with, with that sort of stuff now, it's so natural because that's the colors that were in my head when I was illustrating that. Whereas before I had to really think about it. How do I palette this? Now it's natural because I'm so used to using that kind of palette now. Um, but yeah. I, that's one of my favorite pieces this year. I was really proud of that. And, um, Came out really, really well. Oh, okay. I'm glad you are because uh, I love it. Yeah, I've got a, a frame version down there as well. Yeah. I'm yeah, a massive fan of yours. I, I know I'm going to say, say it again, but like, obviously the two up there, the, two up, the actual sort of hand, like actual pieces, and then the uh, the creative offer one. I also got the the other blue deer one you did for me. I got that for my room. So yeah, I mean, thank you very much for working on them for a start. Oh, it's silly. Like it's, it's fun because again, it's a mixture of the things that I enjoy. I like. You know, I like the sort of the subject matter that you're doing. And also, it's, you know, what you do is really interesting as well. So it, it's really easy to generate ideas. It depends on the people you're working for. If you've got somebody who's got a lot of content, it's easy to draw inspiration from that and create something. So, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed working on the projects you sent me. So um, and I love the creative waffle post. I was really proud of that. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, um, I hope hopefully I'm. We talked about it before, but a bit, but uh, a good client like let you have as much freedom as possible. Uh, that's that's the idea. I think with clients, sometimes you, do you find that you can get really stuck into something that then they they make loads of changes and or, or they go down one route and you don't really like it. And I uh, I said this a few weeks ago that a client is not just hiring you for what you draw; they're hiring you for your ideas, your creative mind. And I think people get too stuck on the visuals. They don't actually yeah. stop and think, okay, what can this person bring to our product that we don't even, can't even think of. So most of my clients are pretty relaxed um, because they know that if they're not, then we just won't work together. Cause I just, I kind of, you know, if you're hiring me, you're hiring me to come up with ideas and concepts for something to sell you as much as I am creating artwork for you, I'm creating something to sell you as best as I can. I can't think like another person. I can't think like you. I have to think like me. And so uh, I make that very, very clear in the email that there is sketches and concepts, there is all this because it is part of the process. I can't be told what to draw. I've tried it, I can't do it. I just know my own limitations. I can give, you know, if you wanna give me rough pointers on what you want, that's fine but I need the flexibility to be able to create what I want to in terms of how I want to interpret what you've asked. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the job of being an illustrator. It's not having somebody over your shoulder telling you how to do something. You're paid to do the job. That's your job. That's not theirs. Um, so when I've had clients in the past be really, you know, dictate how something should be. And even down to like, I get really frustrated with clients when you send something over and they, they, asked to change the whole color of something and i know it's going to be crap and i know it's going to look really really bad but they're like no i really want it to be this sometimes you just sometimes have to just step back and go okay that's representing them that's not representing me it just won't go on the website that's fine mm. but other times it's kind of like when they really over overly dictate you have to step away i, I can't 
I can't work like that, Mark. It's not a way I want to run my business and it's not really a way I want to be as an artist. You know, um, like I said, it's ideas and your artwork that people are hiring you for. Yeah, and that and that's, goes back to the point of people undervaluing the work as well. If, if people don't see that on social media, then they won't know that. So, and, and then once you mention it in the email, they're like, oh, the, the, you do that as well? Like, oh, where did that come from? Well, it's also the fact that um, I went for a meal with a client a few, uh, about a month or two ago, and we were talking about something. We were talking about um, a job that had come up in her industry. And I made a joke about saying, like, I oh, know I video edited all this sort of stuff and whatever. And we were talking about somebody else. And she said, well, yeah, but you don't video edit. And I'm like, I do. I, I've created, I had a YouTube channel like 10 years ago. I used to create art videos. I throughout That should be coming back. You should bring that back. Yeah, yeah. If you if you if you type my name in Google and Vimeo, please don't do that because it's horrendous. The videos. <laughs> I created animations. I did uh, promo videos for the stuff I was working on. Just document the process of how I made something. You know, I film. I take photographs. I animate. I you know do loads of stuff. But unless you tell the client that, they're not going to be aware. So, mm. another example this year was. I work with a band called Wake Up and they're a French, French punk pop band. And we've done an album together this year, which I'm incredibly proud of with the graphic and everything. They came to me, wanted to release a single off that album and said, oh, can you just do like a, a, a standard illustration for the video? We can whack it up on YouTube. I was like, no, I can do an animation though. We can do a full on music video. And they're like, oh really? I'm like, yeah, 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 you can do that if you want. So, you know, I went above and beyond and pushed that project and it turned out really, really well and had a really good response. It's probably one of the most viewed videos on their channel now. Um, but that's because I told them I could do something. Even if I'm unsure myself, it's a challenge and it's, it's giving me something to aim for. Um, so, yeah, definitely with things like that, you need to tell clients what you are capable of because visually with a website people judge you on your artwork mm. they you know i don't really tend to put other stuff up on there because that's my biggest selling point so if a client comes to me and they're a media company i say well you know i'm capable of doing this this and this as well if that is needed just let me know i can tie that in with what we're doing and just make people aware of it because you know it could get you more work but it can also just widen the prospects of the kind of jobs you get from that music video i had three people contact me about doing a video for them Awesome. Because I took a risk. So I took a risk to do something different. Um, and they let me do that. And that's why I love working for those guys, because they, they let me do what I want to do. And we, we work together. It's a collaboration. Um, and that's the kind of people I want to work with, people that want to collaborate, take risks, try new stuff, because that's the only way you grow as an artist as well. Um, and you can grow the clients is taking risks. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any dream projects that you want to do or anything that you really the ideal? Um, I want to work on a video game. That is definitely something that I really, really, I've, I've been talking to somebody about that for the last year and both of us have been so busy. We haven't really been able to get around to doing it, but that is definitely the, on my to-do list of something I really, really want to do in the next 12 to 18 months. I want to make nice. a, whether a mobile game or, or something, um, because I, it's a really exciting time because I've, I've worked a lot in the games industry doing commercial artwork for publishers and stuff. And I've got to know a lot of developers through that as well. And it's a really exciting time for illustrators to get into that industry. There's a lot of potential to work on multiple projects with 
small studios mm. um so that's something that that's an area i'd like um and then obviously i'd love to do like maybe a big advertising campaign for a big brand um you know i'd like to there's a couple of things i'd like to do in terms of illustration with editorial i'd love to do a front cover for like the new yorker there's little things that i've had since i was a student that i'd like to do um but each day you know just take every project as it comes you get where you want to get to um but yeah definitely i think the video game is the one thing this next sort of year i really want to focus on take a bit of time out to do something for myself rather than just commercial stuff absolutely yeah nice one how much emotion goes into your work because i think like I look at your work and I think there's almost always some sort of emotion where it is in the colours or where it is in the thick lines or the emotions on the people's faces in the illustrations. How much from, from your, your brain's going into that? Um, I, 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 I should really, really retract what I said when I was at university. There was one piece of information that stuck with me from my tutor, uh, my illustration tutor. And she said, you've always got to keep people in the eye of your artwork. So you can't be... You can't have artwork going off like that and that and that because it draws you away from what's going on in the middle. So what, what I try to do is when I design artwork, I always think of keeping that person's eye focused or working their way around that piece of artwork and noticing something different all the time. It, mm -hmm. it, some people think it's far too busy. Uh, I think I've calmed down a lot the last probably 18 months with the level of detail uh, compared to what I used to do. But it's always, in terms of motion or or just general sort of stuff that's going on in a piece of artwork, I try to remember to keep that person in that world that they're looking at. So like with your poster, I had to design it in a way where you were looking this way, the deer was looking back at you. It keeps you back in. Yeah. yeah. If you were looking that way and the deer was looking that way, you'd be like, oh, okay, where are we going? It's, it's what you're looking at. I'm, we want to find out what's over there. Keeping it all in sensor and designing it in a way where it keeps you focused is probably the prime thing when I'm concepting and designing something. Um, same with other stuff I've done for like PlayStation when I did all, you know, five of the access team in that big, big picture, I didn't do anything on the outside. I kept it all in the center. I kept everything going on there. And then you could work your eye around that picture and keep noticing new things. It's keeping that person in that space. Um, particularly when I'm, we you know, work, working on something so um and then in terms of you know the difference between my personal stuff and my uh commercial my commercial is more fun light-hearted jokey my personal stuff is more emotional it's more you know reflecting on where i'm at how i'm feeling stuff that's in my mind um so again it's 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 nice to have both sides uh, to my personality be able to be reflected in my work as well right yeah yeah nice one uh, i think yeah i like seeing the the sort of daily stuff like the new topical ones that you do like sort of the the quicker um sort of more focused things especially the brexit one i like that a lot um yeah, really um, yeah that had a mixed response that one um <laughs> I, yeah i had a lot of, i had a lot of people have a go about it they thought it was a bit rude but it was, that's my, my sense of humor unfortunately i'm a child it's just that's the way i sort of do my favorite one i did recently was the forecast dogs one yeah yeah with the tech because we had a heat wave in the summer so i literally just went on the website um for what the temperature was and just did every day i did a new dog in a like a tropical like in a you know like a rubber ring or you know on a sun lounger or something and they did they did really well but that's again just a bit of light relief from heavier projects it's sort of okay right i've got a big project to do today right i'll have a little warm-up and i do that as a warm-up just to you know 
but also just to keep engaged with social media because some of the bigger projects take longer and you have this period where you're not posting anything and I get a bit anxious. So just even doing a quick illustration like that keeps, you know, keeps you going, keeps people aware of where you are and that you're still there. Uh, that's kind of why I do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you're, you're a very sort of busy designer. You're, you're a very busy illustrator. You're always hard working, I think. And, and it's, it definitely comes off as that as on Instagram, you are always on it and you are always messaging people and contacting people. I had, I had someone, I went to a meetup uh, last weekend and he turned around and he said, literally, by the time I've gone to bed and got up in the morning, you've done five illustrations and it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm literally, but I, it's, it's just the way that I am. It, it probably looks that way, but I think a lot of it, mate, is the way I schedule everything. I schedule it so that every week there's something coming out or there's something, mm. you know, that I'm working on, whether it's something that's coming out like nine months or whatever, I want to keep people engaged, to keep people aware, um, and obviously keep people following my work and, and widening um, my contacts. And particularly like with Twitter, if we go onto social media, I use that to reach out and connect with people that will, I could eventually work with. Um, so, you know, I target certain people with, um, with those programs because for example like with, with playstation i had a conversation with somebody because he'd worked with like nike and all this and he said like who would you like to work for who's the big daddy that you want to work for and i said playstation i'd love to do something with a game company and i targeted them for six months and so i drew illustrations about their channel i drew artwork about the console and stuff like that that then got me to create artwork for a fan page which then got me the job with access so it's it's just in that small space of time when you're not doing commercial work, think about, okay, who do I want to work for? What do I want to create? What kind of artwork? Who do, you know, what kind of stuff do I want to do? And then use that time to use social media, not just to post what I've had for dinner or that I've gone to the theater, create artwork to target, you know? Um, I think that's really important to use it for that as well. Um, because a lot of the people that I've met online have gone on to hire me because of the stuff that I did in my downtime rather than in my professional stuff. So um, good to have a balance between those two things as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the active, active use of social media rather than just scrolling and, and commenting on other people's stuff. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you ever sneakily follow people? Like, like I talk to the football illustrators a lot about it and, and they always say that they always follow just, just like people that could give them work like media managers and, and yeah. uh, I, well, I, I tend to follow people that I'm interested in, obviously, but there are a few that if I see community manager or I see a uh, graphic designer in PlayStation London or something, I will follow them. Um, yeah. Not because I'm a, you know, being, you know, pernickety about that, but it's, I, I do because I want to keep in that group of people. And the more people that you know, mm. the more likely you are to be referred to something. Because psychologically, they'll think, oh, I've seen so-and-so that's done a poster like that. Oh, it, 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 it just keeps you in the mind of people. Um, you know, I don't get follows back all the time. Um, but I find that, like, you know, I've, I've just done something for Sega. And from the back of that, a group of people that work at the, you know, the community uh, headquarters as well, high, um, headquarters, started following me after that too. So it's it's just networking. It's, it's nothing wrong in doing that, you know. Right. It, um, it's For me, the, the, the difference is, is if you start hounding people and you start, oh, no, I'd love to work for you, or have you got any... That's the difference, is right. do it subtly, 
um, invest and and you know obviously give a damn about what they're talking about um, and you know and and also help them and they'll help you. The way I've always worked is if you promote me and what I do, I'll help you back and I'll promote what you're doing um, because it's nice to do that because you do get it back. Um, but yeah, I do follow people from time to time. Uh, but it's again, it's it's part of the job. It's you need to you need to know people. You need to have contacts because it's when you work for yourself, that's what you're relying on. So it's you know you can't sort of be like following like ten people. You need to follow, I follow about three thousand people I think on Twitter now. It's getting a bit ridiculous, but it's all you know you're three thousand followers as well. No, it's yeah, it's unfortunately there's a a massive cesspool of artists that I shouldn't really be following because I keep clicking follow, follow. Um, but there's such a lot of stuff to look at. So yeah, um, but yeah, definitely use Twitter. I, I think for me, I use Twitter for connections and networking. I use Instagram to post my artwork and to connect with other artists. Uh, and they're pretty much the big two that I use now for kind of work. Nice. What's, what's the day to day uh, for you? Usually it depends on what I'm working on, but yeah, so in the morning I get up, it's a lot of it is social media, checking, making sure like, if there's anything that's come up or there's anything I can jump on. Um, you know, and then if I've got a busy day, usually it's a lot of emails in the morning. Uh, I, I tend to get up at a reasonable time. I don't like working too late at night now. I, I can't really do it. Um, but yeah, most of the day is just either working on sketches, finishing commissions off. Um, and then in the evenings, what I've tried to do lately now is just have some downtime because I think, and you might relate to this, working for yourself, you're constantly on all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it was affecting my mental health. So I took more of a step back and started to say, right, no, you're going to watch a film. You can do that tomorrow. Like, j just chill out. Stop stressing about something that's you can't do anything about. Um, so I tend now to sort of structure my week and my days better than I ever did before because you've got to look after yourself as well. Um, it's very important. Yeah, really, really important. Uh, you, you watch a lot of films as well. I, I sit on, you put it on social media all the time. What's, yeah. what's been your favourite film that you've watched whilst, whilst in the well, always, yeah. What's been your favourite oh, film? Do you know, funny enough, I, I can't watch stuff while I'm working. I find that I get too, I'm so deep in what I'm working on. That right. I, very difficult. I spoke to somebody about that, and he was like, "No, I can, I can go for a whole box set." And I'm like, "I can't do that." So for me, uh, my favorite film this year is probably Isle of Dogs. That was probably my favorite movie this year, purely because I went to the exhibition to go and look at all the models as well. And again, we were talking about like when you go and see what it really is like and looking at stuff, you can kind of then have appreciation for what you're watching. So I think. It was really weird, and it was, but it was really clever, and I loved the design and the art that went into that. So um, yeah, so I kind of, yeah, and again, TV shows. I watch a lot of Netflix and and stuff, but at the moment, it's just trying to find the time to do it around work and and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I tend to listen to music when I'm working. That's kind of my thing. Um, the radio, bit of conversation in the background, or just you know soundtracks usually. I, I do podcasts and that as well. I just just having that noise around you, it makes you feel more like you're in a studio, more like you're you're at home. You you feel yeah. more relaxed. Yeah. yeah, it's it's nice because it, like you said, you don't because you you spend the majority of your time on your own working, and it's nice to have like a little bit of sound. Um, like you say, having a bit of noise in the background, it kind of just gives you something to laugh at or you know think about. So yeah, there are yeah podcasts like yours as well. I listen to yours and talents. Um, oh. <laughs> Uh, podcast as well so it's yeah it's nice to sort of 
yeah, have things. And also you can learn while you're working as well. I like to sort yeah. of other people's stories and, and think oh that's a good thing. I'll make a note of that you know it's so it's yeah it's useful to do things like that but yeah I do I tend to listen to audio stuff rather than watch TV when I'm working yeah good stuff um, what's, what's I think I've asked this before but what's your strangest request you ever had I haven't had one for a while to be fair um, I don't yeah I don't think I, I tend to I'm just trying to think if I can think of one that I've had recently I think a lot of the things that are strange to me is the kind of budgets people come to me with that, oh, if, you know, I'd like you to do this whacking great big mural, but I want you to do it for like 100 quid. Like, that's the stuff I find really weird that they've got the balls to ask. To yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think we talked about in the past, we had people, I had people come to me and want a character design, but couldn't really tell me what exactly that they wanted and I'm sat there thinking well how do you want me to illustrate this because if you don't know what you want then I'm not gonna know um but yeah I don't think I've had a I don't think I've had a car crash one for a while um I think I've been quite lucky with the with the people that have come to me um I've started recently doing um stuff for Twitch so I've been able to do uh, little emotes and stuff and the funniest mm. one I had this year was somebody wanted so they they've been playing a game called Monster Hunter World and you can name a pig, the pig character in like little pet pig. And he called it Piggy Stardust. And he wanted me to make a moat with the, the lightning bolt over the top of a pig. And that's probably my favorite commission. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird, but it was so fun. But yes, stuff like that. It's, it, again, it's just, it's nice to kind of do something a bit stupid. Um, but that, yeah, I haven't, yeah, unfortunately not had any um, really weird requests lately, which is, which is good touch wood. Hopefully it'll stay that way. Uh, what's your best bit of advice to creatives or illustrators? I think the only advice I can give to anybody that wants to come into this industry is just be nice to each other, be kind, um, and be helpful. I think particularly this year for me, I've had a really rough year with, with clients and the only thing keeping me going this year has been my peers, the people that have said, look, I know you're going for a rough time. Here's a commission. Can you do this for me? And stuff we have one of the nicest industries um and so i think my advice to people that want to come into this industry is don't be a dick be nice to each other just be kind um and and just help each other and that's the only way we're going to grow is if, if we work together and we help each other out then it'll only get better and i think you know that's my advice is just be nice to each other um particularly with what's going on at the moment with the world just be kind to each other i think that's my advice uh, for anybody that wants to come into this industry i love it that's great advice that's really really good don't be a dick um don't be a dick definitely gonna get clipped up and use this promo for the podcast yeah i'm gonna put that on my cv don't be a dick <laughs> what's your best purchase under 100 pounds probably my graphics tablet because that's the thing that has literally given me the life that I have now. And I got my, I still have the same graphics tablet I started out with like five years ago. I'm, I'm, I, I, I love it that much. It's, it is so badly beaten up now. It's because I, I've done this thing and people are going to probably laugh at this. You know, with a graphics tablet, you can just work your way across the whole thing. I like to focus in the middle of that graphics tablet and not leave that sensor. So there's this massive sort of mark now in the middle where I've drawn repeatedly in the same spot. Um, but yeah, I'd say my graphics tablet because it is the, the one thing that has given me my career. It's allowed me to work with so many great people. So yeah, 70 quid on eBay, I got that for it. It's the best 70 quid I ever spent. 
Brilliant. That's a good answer. Yeah, I like that. I always wondered if I should get a graphics tablet just to, like, just to get a bit more creative and get more, a bit more, a bit more free. My, my advice for you, you: Have you got an iPad Pro? No, just an iPad. But it's got the Apple Pencil, so. Yeah. So uh, having this discussion with a few people, um, iPad Pro is probably the way to go because I was for a long time thinking about getting a Cintiq, mm. um, and then a friend of mine was like, "No, Matt, it, get a Pro because you can literally." Put the work straight up onto the computer you can connect it to it as well and you can take it on the go so mm -hmm. i think the next piece of uh, like kit i'm going to get now is that because i think it's a really useful tool to have because you can draw on the train you can draw at meetings you know it's uh, it's great and anything you create in that on that device you can literally whack up on your computer when you get home and carry on with it so um yeah graphics tablets you can get like you say standard price sort of 70 80 quid if you if you're on a budget um but i think if you really want to invest in your career get something that you can do multiple things with because i know it might be more expensive but it will come back and it will give you more ability to do other stuff um so yeah, i think definitely that's the next thing we're gonna get that's good yeah yeah i think i think people should take that advice um there's there's a lot of a lot of things out there now. You've seen the new Windows sort of graphics foldable screens. So it's really strange. It's yeah. it's like a massive studio screen. I'm not really sure about that one. Uh, there was another one. I don't know who was it. Microsoft that bought the one out, which was like a graphics tablet, but you had that disc on the on the screen. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they didn't realise with that that when you you turned it up or you pushed it, it fell off because there's not there's not really a magnet on the on the actual. Oh. What I'm aware. So it was literally like you you um you tilted it up to just change the position of it, and all of a sudden it just dropped off the screen. Wow. So yeah, I was like, oh, I don't really want to be doing that with like a nine hundred pound computer. That's not really good. So, How did they not figure that out? <laughs> you, you think that they would have? <laughs> you think that they would have these meetings where they'd be shaking it about? So obviously, just didn't think about it. It was. I loved the idea because a friend sent me the link to the video and how you could change the color and stuff. Oh, it's a really clever idea. Um, but then when I found out that yeah, you, when you apparently when you tilt it or something, it will it will literally drop off the screen. I was like, yeah, I'm not. I don't think I'll go down that route. I think I'll I'll stick with my little box standard graphics tablet. I'm quite happy with him. I think he's fine as he is. Question is when when are Apple gonna bring out the uh, touchscreen iMac? That's what I wanna know. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, if you saw obviously the, the most recent phone and the problems they were having that with on, on stage, I, I don't really yeah, I don't know. I think again, I've had this conversation with like what kind of stuff should you use when you're a designer? I use Apple. I'm a bit mm. of a gimmick. I, I do like my Apple stuff. Um and particularly with my iMac, um, you know, that cost me, you know fair amount of money but i like using it it's it's a really nice screen um and it, it shows the work um uh, in a better light than probably on another computer um so i've never really gone away from using that uh since i've gone across over so yeah i don't know hopefully hopefully soon that would be quite handy um but again we've got I, again i had um i had an ipad for years and then i thought well i've got a mac i've got an imac why do i need an ipad i don't need another device um i can do everything i want to do on here and the other thing that drives me mad with uh apple is when i get a phone call and i'm working on my imac my laptop my laptop and that all goes off everything goes off and i'm like oh, i don't know what to answer <laughs> it all goes off because it's all connected so that's somebody facetimed me and it was like my my laptop went off first then my computer and it froze then my phone went. i was like oh just no i don't like this so uh yeah it's 
as it's pros and it's cons, I think. But yeah, I, I like I just like using Apple products. It's just yeah, yeah. I think it's cool. they're slick, aren't they? Very nice, very sexy. Awesome finally, last question I ask everyone is how do you want to be remembered? Oh, um, just as a nice guy and somebody that wanted to help other artists. I think for me, as much as it's important that my work, you know, the thought, the fact that somebody maybe 50 years from now will look at my work and go, I really like his stuff, he's an amazing feeling. But for me, I want to be an active member of the community and I want to raise awareness of things that I want to change in the industry. So for me, just somebody that actually just wanted to do good and to, um, you know, and to, and to improve, you know, and to, to improve the way that we work and, and, and also to educate people in how to value this community because I posted something up the other day where, you know, so many people have said like, oh, it's such a rubbish career, why are you doing it? And I, and I turned around to somebody once and I said, you know, what are you wearing? Clothes. What are you holding in your hand? A phone. What's in your house? Possessions. Everything that's in your possession is designed and made by somebody. Yet we have this horrible point of view on the value of that. And it's really sad. And if anything, I want to be somebody that, you know, tries to change the way that people see art. Um, you know, it's probably a big thing to try and do. But through what I do, well, that's kind of the way I want to be remembered as a nice guy who tried to make a difference with, you know, with what he does for a living. Um, yeah, probably, probably worded better than that, but that's kind of, the route I'm gonna go in for. Nice one. I love it. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. No, thank you very much for having me, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Where can people find you and, and find your website and stuff and social media? Oh, can't you find me? Um just go to www.mattroth.co.uk um and on all social media it's at Matroth one T, just to make this very, very clear. Uh because a lot of people get me mixed up with a photographer called Matt Roth. So yeah, Matt Roth, M-A-T-R-O-F-F, and that's where you can find me on all. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Crazy Waffle Podcast. Please do let me know your thoughts on the show down below, who you want to see on the next episode, and uh, just a little general review, a little bit of feedback, or even just say hi, because I really want to know, in 2019, I really want to get to know you guys and uh, people listening to the podcast. There's about 300 of us, so um, please let me know who you are, and uh, yeah, see you in the next episode.